here's the lesson. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, our scriptural text is going to be uh, Psalm 68, verse 11. And then uh, I would like for you to turn to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And when you get there, say glory. Hallelujah. So 2 Timothy chapter 2. Praise the Lord. I love to hear those heavenly pages turning, but with cell phones, it's not quite (laughs) the same, which is fine. And then, of course, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. But our scriptural text for this meeting is Psalm 68 and verse 11. The Lord. Now, whenever you see the word Lord all capitalized, that is the holy name for God that we in America make a stab at it, calling it Yahweh or Jehovah. But the Jews say, really, no one knows how to pronounce that name. Because it was only pronounced once a year on Yom Kippur, the holiest day. And it was only pronounced by the high priest as he was in the Holy of Holies. And it was only pronounced when they had their temple. And they had not had their temple for quite some time. So the true pronunciation of it, no one knows. It's been lost. And And just a side note about that name... A scribe, I watched a scribe in Jerusalem one time, and as he got to the name, this name, capital L-O-R-D, he put down his stylus pen, and he goes and he um, changed clothes. And before he changed clothes, he did what they called a ritual bath, mikvah. Can you say mikvah? That's Hebrew for a, a cleansing, a washing. So he took a mikvah and put on totally different clothes, clean. And then with humble reverence, he picked up his pen and wrote the word yud Hey vav Hey, the Hebrew letters for Lord. Such reverence for that name. Such honor for that name. And that you and I are admonished in the New Testament as new creatures in Christ. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name. That's why you can't worry. You can't do it in the name. Worry shows a forgetfulness of God. He's big. You're in covenant with him. And you can do all things in his name. That name. Yud, hey, Vav, hey. The name above every name. The Lord Jesus Christ. I remember practicing that on diapers. I thought if it'll work here where the rubber meets the road, then it'll pass any test. And by simple childlike faith. And Jesus admonished us to be like children when it comes to obeying. And just with simple childlike faith, putting that little kid, I remember it was with Cody, 
and just lifting up those legs and start doing with what you do. And I said, Lord, I'm going, I'm, I'm, I'm going to practice doing this in the name. And you know what happened? There was such light that came with that, that complaining and pity party melted off of me. That complaining where I used to say to my husband, why can't you change diapers? Why is it always me? He gags. Okay, get over the gagging, whatever. But, but when I started doing that in the name of Jesus and to the glory of God, there was such light and such love and such a fellowship that I was not expecting. And wow. So you still have Psalm 68, 11. The Lord gave the word. Say the word. The word. The devar, the word. And great was the company of those that published it. That word company is means host or army. This word, those, T-H-O-S-E. Do you see it there, ladies? See it? is the word for women in the Hebrew language. So this is saying great was the female army who published it. Hallelujah. And I believe this scripture is a um, template or a big sign that before the coming of the Lord, there's going to be a great female army publishing the word of God. That's why God gave you a mouth. He's equipped you for such a time as this. Now, we'll give an example of this. Have you ever heard of the law of first mention in the Bible? The law of first mention. And what does that mean? It just simply means when a word is introduced in the Bible the very first time, no matter how often that word is referred to, it never loses the fragrance or the definition of its first mention. For a simple example, the word holy. The first time it's used is when Moses was at the burning bush and God said, take off your shoes for the place you are is holy ground. So holy doesn't mean washing off all your makeup and growing your hair in a bun. Thank God. Every old barn can use a little paint. So being holy just simply means being separated. God separated a parcel of ground to reveal himself to Moses. Praise the Lord. So we're separated unto God. We're not for the, for, uh, the mundane uh, things that the devil would try to strap onto us. No, we're separated for the purpose of God. That whatever we do in word or deed, we do all in the name of Jesus and the glory of God. We're separated unto him. And so, uh, for example, another uh, word, the first mention, quote unquote, glory. 
Kavod, Hebrew for glory. Where's the first mention? It's mentioned in Genesis where it's referring to Laban, Jacob's father-in-law through Rachel. And it says, Laban said, all this glory has Jacob gotten. What does that mean? Wealth. So the law first mentioned for glory is wealth. And no matter how many times you see it through the word of God, when it says Jesus is coming back for a... Hallelujah, that's shouting ground, folks. And Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. And part of that curse is poverty. And through his blood, he's redeemed you from it. So rise up, army, female army. Publish the good news of what Jesus Christ has done for you. And help others. So the law first mentioned for the word anointed. You know, as you've heard Brother Kenneth Copeland so say and Brother Jerry Savell. Christ is not Jesus' last name. But it's actually the Greek word for the Hebrew word, Mashiach, which means the anointed one and his anointing. So the first time the word anointing is used, hey, are we doing okay? Are you doing all right? Okay, is uh, let's go there, uh, Samuel, 1 Samuel. The Lord gave the word and great was the female army who published it. Now this is part of that female army. Glory be to God. First Samuel chapter 1. You know the story. How there was a man by the name of Elkanah. And he had two wives. And Hannah, his wife, did not have children because the Lord had closed her womb. And his other wife had sons and daughters. And so they would go up to Shiloh, which is in the present day. If you'd look on a map of Israel, Shiloh is where the Shekinah glory was for 369 years. You might call it Shiloh. But Shiloh is where the tabernacle was. Eli the high priest was. Shiloh is where Je- uh, Joshua, when he came in to conquer the land, they set up a tabernacle in Shiloh. And think about it, the glory of God being there for 369 years. And so if you look at a map of Israel today, Shiloh is in what the world calls the West Bank. So if there was a, this, this is a side journey, but women, you need to know it. You need to know it. You need to know the day of your visitation. Yep. If you were living during the time when Jesus was walking the grassy shores of Galilee, you would have needed to know your visitation and send your little boy with loaves and fishes to hear that man from Galilee. That's knowing the time of your visitation. And so likewise today, it's very imperative that we know where we are in end time prophecy for the wisdom to build our house, 
to train our children, to send them to colleges and universities with the understanding that it's not necessarily what that uh, political professor says to them that's trying to brainwash them that the West Bank belongs to the Palestinians. Hallelujah. I'm getting a lot in on this. Not me, but Christ in me. Are you okay? Are you with me? So, I I remember, just hold that thought, I remember we were in the ambassador's home in Washington, D.C., the Israeli ambassador, to America, and he invited 30 of us for just coffee and tea and a few little things to eat, and um, John Hagee, Brother John Hagee was there and others, and um, someone asked the question, what is the greatest way that we as Christians can bless Israel? And to my shock, it wasn't money, it wasn't missionaries, you know what he said? The greatest way for Christians to bless Israel is to know their Bible. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look to the Word and know a little bit better about our Bible because we're wise women building our house on wisdom and knowing the day of our visitation. Hallelujah. Now, just this, this is one for uh, the law first mentioned on women. And it talks about, you know the story where Hannah prayed for a son. And in chapter 1 of 1 Samuel, verse 27, For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I've asked of him. Chapter 2, and it goes on to say in verse number um, 10, the adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Out of heaven shall he thunder upon them. The Lord shall judge the ends of the earth, and he shall give strength unto his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. That's the first mention of the word Mashiach, the anointed one. And a woman said it. Not a prophet, not Abraham, not Isaac or Jacob. But Hannah. And so at this season, when we're celebrating Christ the Lord, Messiah the Lord, you have inside information that it was a woman that God used to first mention his name. The anointed one. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. The Lord gave the word and great was the female host, the female army that published it. Woo! And Hannah's in that number. Okay. Now, um, look at that same chapter 2. This is good, too. And verse number 5. Hannah's still talking. And it says at the end of the verse, So that the barren hath borne seven. Hannah's referring to herself. And seven children. And she that hath many children is wax feeble. Now, Let's go to uh, chapter 2 and verse number 21. And the Lord visited Hannah. Remember that capital L-O-R-D is yud heh vav Jehovah. 
visited Hannah so that she conceived and bare how many sons? Three sons and how many daughters? So, uh, okay, so three sons and two daughters, that's five. Then Samuel would be six. But look back what we just read in chapter 2, verse number, end of five. She that was barren bore seven. So who is she referring to? She, became, she positioned herself into the lineage of the, of the anointed one, the Messiah. Hallelujah. Glory be to God forevermore. Now, you still have 2 Timothy chapter 2 and 1 Corinthians 10. Um, because I've been traveling uh, with mom and studying and going and doing, uh, she trained me this way. So this is, this is foundation to everything that we're learning today. And you may have heard it so many times, but I humbly say there's something that happens when you just let your eyes rest on the Word of God and let it go into your heart because it's milk, the milk of God's Word that's growing our spirit. And so with this understanding, 2 Timothy chapter 2, how many have ever heard Sister Billy Brim talk about this scripture? 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15, it says, study. Study, study, study. Paul, by the Holy Ghost, is talking to Timothy. Timothy was already a Christian. He was already born again. But yet, by the Holy Spirit, Paul was stirring up Timothy to say, study. And so today, we're going to do a little study. Study to show thyself approved unto God. In other words, this makes God happy. It's almost like if you want an approved ministry by God, you have to study. It's almost as if if God, could, if God had an iPhone in the throne room and could take a selfie of himself and send it to us, we would see God with a smile. It pleases him when we study. Teaching Christians how to study. I think that would be a good little little uh, classroom to have. Teaching Christians how to study. Teaching them how to hunger to want to study. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. And this is the kicker. Are you ready? Rightly. That means there's a wrongly. If there's a rightly, there's a wrongly. Rightly dividing the word of truth. This Bible is the word of truth. If it can be rightly divided, it can also be. So all false error is a result of wrong division of the word of God. Now to rightly divide the word of truth, you have to know the scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 and 32. But we'll emphasize 32. Give none offense. In the Shelley Brim translation, this says, quote, Tick no one off. 
You know what that means in Texas? Not to tick people off. <laughs> oh, I just like to tick them off. Let them know how I feel. Give them a piece of my mind. Well, they don't want a piece of your mind or mine either. So this is our, is this a, is this a suggestion? Is this a heavenly suggestion from the throne room? No, this is a commandment. This is a commandment. Take no one off. Even that guy, that crazy relative coming to Christmas at your house that rubs your fur the wrong way. Now, some of y'all don't look at me like you don't know who in the world that is. I think almost every person has somebody that you just think, who, what loins did they come out of that they're in our family? So we get to practice this scripture. Tick. Don't tick Aunt Josie off. And don't tick Uncle Joe off. Give none offense. Then it names three groups of people. Is this the New Testament? Does God see this today as fact? What's the first group? The Jews. That's a group. God still see the Jews today. And the church, are you ready for a spiritual cow to be slaughtered in this beautiful Christmas party? The church is not spiritual Israel. That's called replacement theology. God has a plan for Israel. God has a plan for the Jews. God has a future. God has reward. God has judgments. God has beautiful things prepared for that first group of people, the Jews. And the church is not going to replace them. Ding, ding, ding. How many have three children? Can you imagine replacing one of your children? Because there are three groups of people here with the other. Saying, well, I'm through with you. And little baby sister or little baby brother is going to take your place. No. And that's how our father is. He's got three groups of children. Now, New Testament. (coughs) Rightly dividing the word of. So the Jews. And what's the second? What is the second group? The Greeks. Does anybody have nations or Gentiles? Gentiles. That word Gentiles, when it's originally used in uh, the Old Testament, was goyim. Can you say goyim? G-O-Y-I-M. It means nations. It's uh, in the um, King James, it talks about the heathen. But when you look to the original Hebrew, you don't see the word heathen. It's nations. And all through the Old Testament, I challenge you, if you know a little bit of Hebrew, you will not find the word heathen. The King James translated it that way, but the original text in Hebrew is nations. So in the Old Testament, there were two groups of people, the Jews and the nations. And God loved the nations so much that when he set up that Levitical priesthood in the Old Testament, he required the Jewish people to take 70 bulls, bullocks they call them, 70 bulls to represent 70 nations of the earth. 
because God loves the nations. For God so loved the the nations, the world. So what's the third group? The church, the ecclesia. What does that mean? The called out ones. The called out ones. The assembly. Uh, that's why you can see when you read the book of Ephesians where it says any Jew, any Gentile can come and be in this third group of people. The ecclesia, the church, the body of Christ. There was no body of Christ in existence until after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus was not a Baptist. (laughs) Hallelujah. Now, notice that it didn't say, so to rightly divide the word of truth, you have to know this verse of scripture. Is that scripture speaking to the church? Is that scripture speaking to the nations? Or is that church speaking to Israel, the Jews, the house of David, the house of Jacob? And if you know, understand that and apply that, then it will keep your end time doctrine straight. Hallelujah. And it's a great need right now. We took a group of over 400, actually 500, uh, no, that was a different group. We took four trips to Israel last year. But one group of over a hundred pastors' wives who had never been to Israel before, their ways were paid for by someone with very deep pockets. And as we were going through the land of Israel, and they would stop and talk to me as we're going in little coffee shops or having lunch, and they would say, you know, our end time doctrine is that the rapture is already taking place and different things like that. So there's a lot of confusion. Why? Because they have it rightly divided, the word of truth. To whom is that scripture speaking? It may be to an individual or it may be to a group of people. I remember mom and I, for an example, we were in a um, funeral sitting on the front row. And the pastor had taken a, a scripture out of the book of Job. Was it the word of truth? Yes. But it came from Job's comforters. And if you read the entire book of Job, you see that those comforters got in trouble by God for what they said. So this preacher was preaching on this scripture as if we had to live by it. And mom and I are screaming like, read the whole book. They got in trouble by God for what they said. Don't just lift that scripture out and act like I have to live by it. So to rightly divide the word of truth, number one. Find out who's doing this speaking. Number two, find out to whom is that scripture speaking. It could be to a group of people or it could be to an individual. And number three, to rightly divide the word of truth, you must read that word of that scripture in context. For example, it must harmonize with other scriptures on that same topic. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For example, it does say women keep silent in the church. And if you lift that scripture out of context and build a whole doctrine on it, then it's going to bind the gifts and the callings that God has put in female houses. Because why? The atrocity, 
of someone not studying to show themselves approved unto God, rightly dividing the word of truth. Hallelujah. So we could do a teaching on that, reading it in context, where Paul was simply doing what Jews do today, writing the question and then answering In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, he said, Now concerning the things that you've written unto me. So Paul is answering the church at Corinth. And he writes down their question and then answers it. But we won't go there today. That's for another lesson when you invite me back. Hallelujah. Setting God's people free. Because Jesus said, you shall know the truth. But it's rightly dividing the word of truth that will set you free. Praise the Lord. Now, so there are three groups of people that God sees today, the Jews, the nations, and the church. Uh, very briefly, let's go to uh, example. Let's look at the, the nations. You want to? To just see how this works, and then we'll build it from there. Are you okay? Yes. All right. Am I boring? No. I, the reason why I ask that is I always pray, Lord, please don't let me be boring. You would pray it too if you were the mother of a little kid, Cody and Aubrey, and, uh, Cody and Aubrey, Ky- Kylie, my daughter Kylie, and Cody, when they were little, their daddy and I took 30 days to go to the state of Minnesota and preach for 30 days. I was the preacher and Bob laid hands on the sick. And uh, I only had three messages then because with little kids, you know, it was just hard to study. So I had three polished messages. So at the end of 30 days... Cody had had it with those three messages. <laughs> he was five years old, always wore a little suit. He kind of reminded me if you were to take uh, Brother Jerry Savelle and put him in the dryer and put hot. <laughs> because Cody loved your daddy. And he wanted to be a preacher like your daddy. Or Kenneth Copeland. Or Shambok. So your daddy was in good company. So here he is, five-year-old, in a little suit, tie, immaculate, nice, straight part. And I'm saying, turn in your Bibles to Psalm 145. Now, remember, this has been after 30 days in Minnesota. I always prayed that revival would not hit the churches because I only had three messages. (laughs) If I stayed longer... (laughs) So uh, I looked and I said, turn your Bible to Psalm 145. And the, t- the name of my message is the compassion of the Lord. I can see movement. Yes, Psalm 145. I look at him, he's going... to be compassionate to people and correct your child at the same time? (laughs) The usher on the front row in his beautiful ushered coat of red 
is noticing because Cody is seated right next to him. He sees this and he's watching me and then compassion of the Lord. And all of a sudden, Mr. Usher in his beautiful red coat falls off his, the pew. He's on the ground. He's crying. He's laughing. The people thought it was the Holy Ghost. So the people in back started standing up to look to see this man who's laughing on the floor. So they start laughing. And the next thing you know, the church is laughing. And there was an aisle down the middle of the church, pews on this side, pews on that side. And the next thing you know, I'm watching it. The people on this side are hugging the people on this side. And the people on this side crossed over and are hugging the people on this side. I did not know it till afterwards, but the pastor's wife said we were in the middle of a church split and that aisle represented those who were opposed to one another and the Spirit of God came on them and they started hugging and loving and laughing. It all started with the match. ways are higher than our ways. <laughs> you just get ready, girl. We're getting ready to see the glory like we've never seen God show up. He is going to take over the reins. Lord Jesus. The captain of our salvation is inspecting the troops. He inspected those troops and just did what he did for the glory of God. So when we got in the van afterwards, Cody so sweetly said, Mom, I told you God was bored with that. (laughs) One more Cody story. Can you handle it? Well, praise the Lord. It was the northern part of Minnesota, the Iron Range. They, the government at that time, in 1989, had shut down the Iron Range. A lot of people lost their jobs. And so these churches that we would go to could not give us an offering. But they were so giving, they would give us uh, blankets and uh, little antiques things and that were precious and to them. Uh, one pastor's wife gave me something from her shower when she and her husband were married. Just precious to them and precious offerings. But the back of our van, my husband said, you know, Shelly, um, we got to have some cash. And uh, we might have to stop off and just have a little flea market on the side of the road <laughs> to generate some cash. Because we didn't have credit cards then. We were just walking in a place of completely trusting God. And uh, so the last, the very, very last invitation 
was in a church in Thunder Bay. Has anybody ever heard of Thunder Bay, Minnesota? And it was a Finnish man, pastor, who had visited one night. And he said, would you come to my church? And I looked at my husband because I knew what he just said. We, we need an offering. And I didn't want to say, sir, can you give us an offering? We'll come just to get back to Oklahoma. But no, uh, checking the spirit, the Holy Ghost inside. He says, yeah, go. So by the grace of God, we had enough gas to pull into the, to the church. It was actually a gymnasium, high school gymnasium. We walked in, and it was packed with people, standing room only. But I have to back up from my story one little thing. As I'm get, grabbing my purse and Bible in our van, Cody walks down the aisle of the van to the front club chair and said, Mom, God wants to use me today in the service. I said, son, after 30 days of being in Minnesota, many churches, I'm so glad to hear that God, you're going to yield to God finally. Thank you, Jesus. What to, you've, you've done great. I don't mean to say, come out wrong, but he said, no, God showed me. He wants to use me. I said, well, how? Well, a drum solo. Well, Cody didn't play the drums. <laughs> He played pickle jars and pots and pans, but not drums. So I prayed, Father, please don't let there be any drum set in this church. <laughs> we walk in, and this beautiful Finnish pastor with a heavy accent, which I cannot begin to do his accent, but just for the sake of retelling it, we're so excited you're here. We're believing God for revival. <laughs> And we're trusting God. And the song service was already the praise and worship. It was so full of joy and so full of energy and so full of worship to the Lord. And there was a great, big, gorgeous drum set. (laughs) And cymbals. And uh, the pastor said, we want you to know you have full liberty here. Cody is five. He's looking up at the pastor. He's looking at me. He said, he pulled on the pastor's coat and said, good, because I have a drum solo. (laughs) Before I could explain, the pastor said, this is God. (laughs) How old are you, son? Five years old. Oh, son, where are you from? Tulsa, Oklahoma. Oh, glory, I'm introducing you during the offering. No, not during the offering. (laughs) We got to get home. (laughs) So. (laughs) The offering came. Oh, Way too soon. (laughs) The dear Finnish pastor introduced him. You would have thought we were at a circus. All the way from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Five years old. Playing his drums for Jesus. (laughs) 
He walked up there like a little man, back straight as an arrow, confidence. He sat behind on that beautiful seat of the drum seat, picked up the sticks, and you couldn't see him. The symbols had covered him up. Everyone on the edge of their seat. You could hear a pin drop. Bob and I are dying a thousand deaths. <laughs> baboon. Cody did a baboon. And with the other stick, he did a symbol. And then another, baboon. And yes, you guessed it, another. There, with no exaggeration, I wanted to count, but I thought, no, that'll make me, I can't do that. But I would assume it was probably at least between 15 and 20 baboons. And then a faithful ching after each one. You could hear a murmur of doubt and unbelief in the crowd. I said to Bob, go up and get your son. He said to me, go and get your son. I said, Bob, I can't. I'm trying to remain spiritual. So with that, Bob had on a pair. I'll never forget it because I'm staring at his shoes. He had on a pair of penny loafers. He took one step with those beautiful penny loafers toward the drum set. In the meantime, faithfully, baboon. <laughs> and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, do you know the Bible is full of the word suddenly? <laughs> there was a sound from heaven. And that dear, precious five-year-old was moved upon by the Holy Ghost. And that drum set became an instrument. Not of banging and clanging, but an instrument of tones of high and low and in between. And all the symbols were used for the glory of the Lord. And all of a sudden, the praises of God 
from the audience to God. Praise him in the drums. Praise him in the drums. Praise him with the drums. And that little boy began to just move like that. And the altar filled with people. Repenting. And the finished pastor said, this is the revival we've been praying for. Hallelujah. When the glory of God's presence is manifested in the place, every backslider will come to Jesus. Those who don't know him, do not know him will come running to the master. When we shake off those heavy bands of formality, and say, let God, let the Holy Ghost have his way. Oh, how we need the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Uh, one young man, college age, he said, my mother, I'm one of ten children. We've all come to this church and been born again, but my mother was hard and wouldn't come. And there she is at the altar, giving her life to Jesus. No, this God doing what I was just watching. One young man, he came up and he said, I play guitar here, but I also play guitar in a bar here in town. No one knows it, but uh, I do it for money. They pay me. And he said, I'm so under conviction of the presence now that I'm just going to separate my instrument into God. It's for him. And so we got an offering. We received an offering for the glory of God. And got home to Oklahoma, 700 miles away. This is before cell phones were popular. We didn't have one then. Called mom, told her what happened. She said, Shelly, do you know why God did not manifest beautiful drum playing at the very beginning of Cody's obedience? I said, no, why? It would have saved Bob and I so much... And she said this, it's because God wanted to demonstrate. He wanted to demonstrate that that little boy could not play the drums. There are some demonstrations of the living God that are waiting in the wings of our obedience. That came out by the Holy Ghost. I didn't think of it. There are demonstrations of the spirit of the living God that are waiting for our humble obedience. Hallelujah. Are you excited? That's good news. Well, praise the Lord. How you doing? Now, uh, okay, so the three groups of people and where we're at right now. We'll just look quickly at, um, let's look at Matthew. And when you get there, say glory. Are you okay? Compreso, Father, I don't want to get ahead of you. If there is something that you want said or done right now, I want you to feel free.
Matthew 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, the word is parousia. It's the word when he sets up his kingdom as king. His first coming, he came humbly as a babe, wrapped in him, lying in a manger. He came as the Lamb of God. He came as a sacrifice. But his second coming, when we see him and we'll be caught up together to be with the Lord in the air, is not when he puts his feet on the Mount of Olives. But this is talking about when he comes up to set up his parousia in all of his glory. And all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all the church. I'm just seeing if you're paying attention. Before him shall be gathered all the Jews. You can answer, because what does your Bible say? So this is that group of people, the Goyim, the nations. Not you and I who are born again. Where there's neither male nor female, it says in Galatians 3. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither Scythian nor barbarian. But we are all one in Christ. That's the third group of people. But this is not for you and me. This is a judgment of the, the nation. And it's a work judgment. And it's because as, as you've read it, for I was hungered and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me. I was this and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. It's works, 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 works. Remember in Ephesians it says, for by grace are you. That letter in Ephesians is written to the body of Christ, a third group of people. It's not written to the Jews. It's not written to the nations. It's written to the born again, new creatures in Christ. And it says, for you and I, we're not saved by works, lest any man should boast. For by grace are you saved. So to rightly divide the word of truth and to keep your end time doctrine straight, you have to see and know that this is a different judgment and you are not in this judgment. You're not going to end up in a goat pile here. Selah. But I love the United States of America, don't you? And I want her to be a sheep nation. And her salvation rests on how she treats the nation of Israel. As much as I hate abortion and as much as I hate other different things, when it comes to, and I'm going to be bold, but when it comes to between me and the Lord and I'm in that voting, voting booth, I have to ask myself one question. Who am I voting for that will be a blessing to the nation of Israel? Why? Because in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, where God appeared to Abram, and he said, I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse those who curse you. And in thee shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Know the day of your visitation. Know the time of your visitation. Women, it's so important that we know our Bible. Study to show ourselves approved unto God. See that this nation of Israel that had been dispersed from the time of Jesus over 2,000 years been dispersed to all four corners of the earth 
And yet now, the, where you and I are living, if you go and visit Israel today, the Jews are coming home. And she is shooting forth. And she is flourishing. And she's in a place of blessing. And it's prophetic that the God who scattered Israel will also regather her. It's prophetic when the Jews, when the disciples asked Jesus and said, when shall be the sign of your coming? And he didn't say, look at the church. He said, behold the fig tree. You want to know the sign of Jesus coming? Behold the fig tree. Who is the fig tree? Joel chapter 1 verse 7. Israel is the fig tree. And when she shoots forth, you see and know. You see and know. You see and know. There's a spirit of seeing. There's a spirit of knowing. You see and know. You see and know. When you see Israel coming forth to her place, a prophetic platform, you see and know that your salvation is near. Look up. Your redemption draweth not. Your, your great-grandma may be in say, been saying Jesus is coming soon, and she's right, for a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day. So one hour of earth time, about 42 years, is about one hour of eternity time when you do the math. So just a few, 42 years, just think, God requires us to just live two hours approximately, some even more, three hours, if your brother Copeland live into 120. But compared to eternity, that's just three hours. So three hours before a wedding is not too soon to send out the invitations. So your great-grandma may have been saying Jesus is coming soon, but he didn't come. Or whoever, you know, you think about people who've been preaching it for years. He's coming, he's coming. Yes, he's coming soon. But never has there been a generation that has seen the nation of Israel come to her prophetic place where Jesus talked about to his disciples, when you see and know that this is happening, look up, your redemption draweth nigh. And that's you and me. That's you and me. That's you and me. We didn't live here during the time of this first coming, but we're living here at the time of the coming of the Lord. Hallelujah. And we shall be fit for him. For never has a bridegroom required the beauty of a bride that he will have the church, which is his body, the body of Christ, his bride. Woo! Glory be to God. Now, uh, can you touch just a little bit more? Uh, for, this is familiar, but we'll look at it again in light of this. First Thessalonians chapter 4. You know, when you know what time it is, you know how to dress. My, you, you dress for the occasion. Um, my dear sister Carolyn, she gave me a heads up when she's coming over, picking me up for this meeting. And so I was aware of the time, and I dressed for the occasion. I didn't show up in my pajamas. <laughs> and how much more in the things of the Spirit, when Jesus is coming, we're going to be dressed for the occasion. We're going to have a revelation of the reverence of our master. We're going to have a revelation that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we don't have to... Well, I won't say that. But to God be the glory. Now, he'll, the Holy Spirit's in you. He'll show you. Now, First Thessalonians chapter 4, rightly dividing the word of truth. I remember, uh, well, I'll read this. Uh, verse number four, chapter 4 and verse number 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant brethren. Now, what three groups of people is he talking to here? He's talking to the church, 
the ecclesia, the saints, those who are in that third group. I would not have you be ignorant concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with them. You have to remember that when um, the Bible talks about sleep, read all the scriptures concerning sleep. In Corinthians, it talks about to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so what sleep is he talking about? The sleep of that body, that earth suit, that house that your spirit lives in. Because that born-again spirit is present with the Lord. And so he's talking about that. Verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, not by the word of Paul, but by the word of the Lord. That we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Those earth suits had been buried six feet under the ground, my husband one of them. And uh, his earth suit is going to be glorified and reach his spirit. He will have, my husband Bob will have a body like unto Jesus, my, me too. You're going to be twinkle-fied too. (laughs) And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. So this is that appearing that we referred to earlier where Jesus is not touching the Mount of Olives. Even though the Bible talks about that time. But this is not the same. This is when Jesus does not touch earth. We go to meet him. And so, together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. You can write in your Bible, right there, and if you can't write in your Bible, throw it away and get you one you can write in. (laughs) But you can write in your Bible, right next to that verse, job security. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Your future is bright. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Isn't that comforting? Now, you know that Paul didn't write in chapter and verse. But he went on. He wrote a letter. But at the time and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that when the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they circle or highlight the word they. T-H-E-Y. It's a pronoun which is substituted for a noun. For when they. For when they shall say. Now here's a simple question and it has a simple answer. It's not a trick question. The question is this. Is they equivalent to the word you? Y-O-U. And the answer is no. Again, we're rightly dividing the word of truth. For when they shall say... So who would that they be? The Jews and the nations. The other two groups of people. But not you, the third group of people. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction shall come upon, there's another pronoun, but it come upon who? Them. Not you. 
Then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. We just read where we escape. But they shall not escape. Verse 4. But ye brethren. Now he's going back to the third group of people who are born again, the body of Christ. Brethren. The third group. You and me. Are not in darkness. That word darkness means lack of knowledge. Ignorant. We're not in ignorant. We study our Bibles. The light of God's word bringeth light. We are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. It'll overtake them, but not you and I. Ye are all children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they, there's that other two groups. Jews and the nations. For when they that sleep, sleep in the night, they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day, this is the third group, oversimplification. But again, it's to emphasize the importance of rightly dividing the word of truth to keep your end time doctrine straight. Verse 8. But ye who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of doubt and unbelief. Well, if we're to dress for the occasion, what kind of breastplate are we to be wearing? Faith and love. And for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed... There's a pronoun again. Got it? What's that two-letter pronoun? Us. Who's us there? Us is an essence. And who are we according to the Word of God? The church which is His body. For God has not appointed us unto wrath. There is a wrath coming. There is a time of tribulation. There is that coming. But it's not on the appointment book of God for the bride of Christ. Hallelujah. If that's for one person, it's worth it. So you can sleep like a baby or sleep soundly knowing you don't have to tribulate. Tribulation days are over. Rightly dividing the word of truth and knowing the truth to set you free. For God hath not appointed us to wrath but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us. That whether we wake or sleep we should live together with him. Now out of the mouth of two or three witnesses let every word be established. You're there in Thessalonians. Look at chapter 1, verse 10. It says, Ye are witnesses, and God also, how holy and justly and unblameable we behave ourselves among those that believe. And you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children, that ye would walk worthy of God, who hath called you... Unto his kingdom and his glory. Now that's chapter 2, verse 10. But look at chapter 1, verse 10. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he hath raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us. Who's the us here? 
those who've received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we're in that third group of people who delivered us from the wrath. Because Jesus took the wrath for us. He took the judgment for us. He became the Lamb of God. It says in Hebrews, a body you have prepared for me. This Christmas season, it's all about the body that God prepared for Jesus. To become the Lamb of God, that body had to shed blood. That lamb had to shed blood. For without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. And through the shed blood of the Lamb of God, God's sacrifice... Oh, hallelujah. He took the wrath for those who will receive by faith and say, yes, I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. And yes, Lord, I take you as my Savior and confess you as my Lord. And according to Romans chapter 10, 9 and 10, I'm saved. I'm saved. And I'm in that third group of people where God has not appointed me to wrath, but to obtain salvation. Now, one more portion of scripture, and then we'll wait on that. And, um, but I, I wanted you to see, oh, glory be to God. Two portions of scripture, is that okay? Revelation chapter 19 and Zechariah chapter 12 and 14. And when you get there, say glory. I tell you, the Lord gave the word and great was the host, the army, the female army to publish it. But in order to publish this word of God, we have to know this word of God. And so that's what we're doing today. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So you, you've got Revelation 19 and then Zechariah chapter 13 and 14. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. And we'll begin with this. Chapter 19, verse 1. And after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments. For he hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication and avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they said, Hallelujah! And her smoke rose up forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God that sat on the throne, saying, Amen, hallelujah. And a voice came out of the throne, saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And as I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Where's my choir? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Then this is a little low, but God help me. <laughs> so I'll take it up higher. For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Men, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. And all together, and he shall reign for. 
ever and ever. That's our wedding music. Handel's Messiah. You do a little research, you find that Handel had locked himself in a room for 21 days. And after 21 days with a tear-stained musical score, he said, the heavens have opened and I have heard from God. What did he hear? The wedding music of the Lamb. The great I am. So every time you sing at this Christmas season, you be reminded that's my wedding march. That's your wedding march. Hallelujah. <laughs> I preached myself happy. <laughs> Hallelujah. Or the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be sad. No, that's not what it says. What does it say? What? Let us be what? To look at some Christians, they look like pickles. Perfectly preserved and well kept. <laughs> Let us be what? And what? And what? Woo! Hallelujah! For the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. What are we doing, girls? We're making ourselves ready. Through the washing of the water of the word. And looking to the mirror of his word. Hallelujah. Hath made herself ready. For to her was granted that she should be arrayed in white linen. Underline the word white linen. Clean and white. For the fine linen is what? The righteousness of saints. We won't take time to turn there, but you know it. You've got it memorized. And you, Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5 where it says, For he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that you and I might be made the what? The righteousness of God. In him. So this white linen is the righteousness of saints. And he said unto me, Right blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. Can I give you a little tidbit of information there in verse 9? You could still make heaven if you don't believe it. But we might ask and see who's right. And uh, I didn't get it. It didn't originate from me. It was a teacher. I believe it was uh, Hilton Sutton, Dr. Hilton Sutton. And he said, who are these that are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb? It's not the bride. The bride is never called to her own wedding. It is her wedding. 
It's her wedding. She doesn't have to have an invitation to her own wedding. Who are those that are called? Could it be those that have passed the works judgment? The judgment that came by works and ended up in a sheep pile? Who are those who are called to the wedding? Ding, 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 ding. That's the Jeopardy third. It's fun, isn't it? Don't you love the Word of God? But they get a blessing. Whoever they are, they get a blessing. Blessed are they who are called into the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said unto me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said to me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His appearing for us when we're caught together with him is for the purpose of love. But when he comes back on his white horse, it's for a different purpose. To judgment and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. I wonder if you put your crown on him. There are crowns. That's another great study in the Word of God. The different crowns mentioned in the Word of God. It talks about the overcomer's crown. How many are overcomers? Then there's a crown for overcoming. And on his head were many crowns, and he hath a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called... The Word of God. The word in Hebrew for word is Dabar. Can you say Dabar? And you put the letter Hey, it's, a, it's the fifth letter of the Hebrew alphabet, for the. Ha, Dabar of God. The Ha, Dabar of God. And what is so wonderful when you see the word devar and you read it in your Hebrew uh, lexicon, it is the exact same word. The word for word is also this. Are you ready? T-H-I-N-G. You have filled my mouth with good things, words. Words are things, and things are words. You have whatsoever you sayeth. You're having the things that you say, the var, words, things. It's the same word. God spoke the word, and it became Things were created. They became things by God speaking them. 
When God created man in his image, he became a speaking spirit where he could speak into this mountain. Be thou removed. Be thou cast into the sea. And it was a thing. What words are you speaking over your life? You are a product of the very words you're speaking over your life. If you don't like what you are, then start changing what comes out of your mouth. Exact, his name is Devar of God. And the armies which were in heaven, notice they're not on earth going through the tribulation. The armies which were in heaven followed him. Circle that word, followed him. Upon white horses, now what about these armies? How are they clothed? What? In fine white, in fine linen, white and clean. Who wears fine linen, white and clean? So that's you and I. We'll be following him on white horses. Hallelujah. Not on earth tribulating, going through the tribulation. We're following him. We're following him. I remember one time years ago, uh, my sister and I were in a Kenneth e. Hagan meeting in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It was the SDC building, which seated about 3,000 people. And the Spirit of the Lord got so thick and so strong. And, and Brother Hagan, if you're familiar with his ministry, uh, you could go on YouTube and see and hear his messages and see demonstrations of the Spirit as well as wonderful teaching. And uh, he would say, Sister Wilkerson, are you here? It was almost like in the realm of the Spirit, he could put his radar out and, 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 and sense that she's there. Now, who's Sister Wilkerson? Well, she's a little lady that knew God. We'd go to her little Bible studies. Mom would drag it. Well, she didn't have to drag us. We were little girls. And we would go to Sister Wilkerson's little Bible studies. And if they got too big, then she would stop having Bible studies for a while and because she didn't want them to grow big. She just wanted to have them small because she felt what God was calling her to with a smaller group of women all in one accord. You can get more work done for God. There's less doubt and unbelief. She had made a vow when she was... Uh, uh, a wife and, and mother that during the Vietnam War, if our troops in America could go and be faithful in Vietnam to show up every day for battle, she could be faithful to show up every day with her prayer group. So even during Christmas and anniversaries, not that we have to do it, but that's what she did. And they would pray. And uh, so she would have these Bible studies and God used her to prophesy to Brother Hagen more than any other vessel on the earth. Brother Hagen said that. And um, so in this meeting, he would pick up on her. Sister Wilkerson, are you here? 3,000 people packed with people. And on the back row, she always sat in the back. And she came walking up. She was a classy lady. She was very well-dressed, had her little suit on, you know, matching shoes. And Brother Hagin said, Say the word of the Lord, sister. What is the Lord showing you? She said, well, 
I saw a messenger from heaven on a white horse. And he's going up and down these aisles. And I asked him, sir, what are you doing? And he said, I've come to inspect the troops. Well, mother, when she heard about the meeting, she was in a foreign country. When she heard about it, she made an appointment with Sister Wilkerson. And over salad in some restaurant, Sister Wilkerson said, Billy, I didn't tell the audience, but who I saw was the Lord Jesus Christ. He was on a white charger. And he was inspecting the troops. And I just sense by the Spirit of the living God that he's inspecting us. Hallelujah. And then she went on to say, his horse is fit for him. Notice it says he's faithful and true. Everything in heaven is tailor-made just for you. God knows your favorite color. God knows your taste. Your mansion is going to be a reflection of your favorite things. But even your horse, even your horse is tailor-made for you. If you have a heart that is hungry for God, hungry for the things of God, following hard with all that's in your heart to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection and to really, really know him, then you're going to have a horse that's like that and follow closely with the master. But if you're a person that's just satisfied with having one foot here in the world and one foot there, oh, it's good on Sunday, but you know what? I like to have my fun on Friday night. Then that's how your horse is going to be. And you'll follow way behind. So we have the chance right now to pick up the pace of our horses. He's inspecting us and preparing us for his coming. And it's, a, it's, it's not legalism, it's, it's the matter of the heart, the real you, a heart that's hungry to know him, to really know him, to walk with him, to work in partnership with him. Hallelujah. One more scripture, and then we're going to stand, and this will bless you. Zechariah chapter 12. And verse number, uh, nine. And it shall come to pass in that day, I will seek to destroy all the what? Nations. It's not talking about the church. All the nations that come against who? So that's why our state department cannot divide Jerusalem. And thank God we moved our embassy to Jerusalem. And I will pour upon the house of David. The house of David there is not the church. The house of David is the covenant term for the Jewish people. Rightly divide the word of truth. I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of who? The spirit of grace and supplication. And they will look upon me whom they have... So who's the they here? 
The Jews. And they're going to look upon who? Jesus, whom they've pierced. And they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that in bitterness for his firstborn. Let's skip on down to chapter 13, verse 1. And in that day there shall be a fountain open to the who? Who is this fountain open to? The Jews, the house of David. And to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanliness. And it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord of hosts. And it goes on. But let's go back to verse number uh, 6. And one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thy hands? And he shall answer, Those which I which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd. This is God the Father saying, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, saying to Jesus the shepherd, and against the man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts, Smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. Chapter 14, verse 1, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all, who? Nations against Jerusalem to battle. Verse 3, And then the Lord go forth and fight against those who? As when he fought the day of battle. And his feet, verse 4, shall stand in that day before upon the where? Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. Let's look at the end of verse, well, let's look at verse 6. And you shall flee to the valley of mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach into Azel. Yea, you shall flee like as ye fled before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Get this, hallelujah. And the Lord my God shall come. Did you wear your shouting clothes, sister? And all... The saints with thee. Who are those saints? You and I, clothed in white, galloping on our horses, following the captain of our salvation, coming to Jerusalem, where he puts his feet on the Mount of Olives, and he comes to judge and make war, and deals with the house of David, Jerusalem, Israel, the Jews, his people. And there'll be a national day of glorious redemption for the nation of Israel. Hallelujah. Woo! Well, it's all good, but I think we'll stop right there. Oh, but we got one more verse. Do you still have Zechariah chapter 14? Verse 16, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of the nations. Remember when we read in Matthew, the sheep and goat judgment. So the sheep that are left from that judgment. It shall come to pass that everyone that is left of the nations. In other words, they're in the sheep pile. Which came against Jerusalem even shall even go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of tabernacles.
That's not you and me. We're God's heavenly people. But God will have an earthly people. And they'll have to go up and keep the Feast of Tabernacles. The Bible says in our letters, the body of Christ, that the heavenly Jerusalem is the mother of us all. It says in Hebrews that as Christians, we have no continuing city here on the earth. We're God's heavenly people. But God also has other children, other groups of people. He'll have those three groups for a very long time. And those groups will live on the earth. And they'll have to go up to the Feast of Tabernacles in order to get rain for their nation. But that's not you and me. We're the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places even now, ruling and reigning with Him. We'll have glorified bodies so that during this time, this millennial time, if there's a meeting among the nations, the sheep nations that have been left, and there's a meeting, and we're invited, Jesus Christ says, I want you to go as my representative. And you'll obey him. And those people on the earth in this business meeting, they'll have to open the door and sit at a chair. But for you and I with glorified bodies like our Lord Jesus, for us to attend that meeting, we can walk right through the door. For we will have a body like our resurrected Lord and Savior. Our future is as bright as God can make it. And one more thing, in case I'm not invited back. <laughs> Please invite me back. Y'all are such good. You're just drawing it out of me. Thank you for being great listeners. Thank you for being hungry for God. That thrills my heart. You're blessing me. But one more thing, and I learned this, and maybe you have even heard this from others broadcasts, but the very word for Jerusalem is plural. Yerushalayim. It has a plural ending. Even in Hebrew, your your regalim, your legs, your mishkafim, aim, you hear it? Your glasses. So also Jerusalem. There are two cities. The city above and the city on earth. And Psalm 122 talks about those cities being compacted and builded together. And I like to think when we go to Israel and we're dealing with people from all walks of life, whether it's a darling little lady that talks like Barbara Streisand, comes from New York, Jewish... Jewish to the bone. And she said, you know, I had the long fingernails and the high heels. And I just had everything money could buy. But I was dissatisfied in my heart. And I began to read in the prophets where God would hiss for the children to come home. I told my husband, I said, I'm hearing the sound of the creator. I have to go to the land of Israel. She stood on our bus. Her name was Leah. 
She said, look, I've been out planting trees all day and I haven't been in my heels doing it, but I've had my fingers in the land and the soil of prophecy of my fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I've come home and this is what prophecy looks like. So they're God's earthly people for Jerusalem. And we're God's, and you and I, and that third group of people, the body of Christ, are God's heavenly people. And we are working together, compacted together. Jesus said, they'll know you're Christians, not by your sermons, not by your pamphlets. When we go to Israel, we go there with one mission. Based on what Jesus said, they'll know you're Christians. By your love. And the first thing love is, is patient. So we're patient. We're patient with them. So praise God for being patient with me. And if you enjoyed the word of God, let's just stand and raise both hands and say, Lord, you did it one more time. You brought me to the right place at the right time to pour into me your heart. To pour into me a fresh spark. A fresh, a freshness, Lord, from your loving hand to stir up the gift that's within us and an understanding to know that you are in the Kambukeya Samankeya, a school of the spirit, a classroom of learning, a classroom of learning to rule and to reign in my name, a classroom of learning to watch the fig tree, Israel, and to know that I've placed you on this earth for such a time as this, to know the time of your visitation, that you are of that generation, shall look up and see me face to face in all of my glory, and you shall be changed like unto me. For he who began a good work in you is bringing it to the completion. And his horse is called faithful because, yea, I'm the writer and I'm faithful. And I watch over my word to perform it in you. Woo-hoo. Yes, you do, Lord. If there's anyone here in the sound of my voice and you've never asked Jesus... To come and be your Lord. To be your Savior. And you would like to do so now. Someone invited you to this meeting and you thought, well, it's Christmas. I guess I'll go. But I really don't want to go. But since you've been here, you have just been so shocked. From from your ordinary way of thinking into the thinking that the Lord loves you and that he has a design and plan and he wants to walk hand in hand with you. So if that's you by the uplifted hand with no one looking around and you say, Shelly, I would like to invite Jesus to be the Lord of my life. No one looking around. Praise God. Perhaps 
Is that a hand in the back or someone worshiping God? Is that you, honey? Are you worshiping God or are you raising your hand to say, I want Jesus to be my Lord? She's worshiping God, okay. Now there's someone here and you've been backslidden. You're not in fellowship with the Lord like you want to be. And the invitation is 1 John 1, 9 was written to Christians. Beloved, if you confess your faults, these sinners couldn't begin to confess all their faults. They've sinned all their life. But those who are born again, you know immediately when you've sinned. Your born again spirit knows. So 1 John 1, 9, if, if, if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you and to forgive you from all unrighteousness. And if that's you, I'm not going to embarrass you. The Lord doesn't embarrass But right where you are, you just confess whatever that is that's between you and Jesus. I'm going to be real bold because I have nothing to lose but my dignity. And I'm nailing my dignity at the cross. (laughs) I'm crucifying my dignity. Oh, brother, did that ever stink in the sight of God? Brother. There is a dignity of righteousness in his presence. But the devil has a counterfeit in the flesh. But, oh, Lord, you're the God of compassion and tender mercies. And you see as no man sees. Any addictions, and I say this humbly, and I say it with trembling lips, pornography. Confess your fault. Come by the blood of Jesus. He's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus, for the efficacy of thy cleansing blood, the power of that blood. Tomprasita, kino masana, tu kofishinu me santa. There was an argument between you and someone, a loved one, a misunderstanding. Uh, I don't know. God's not showing me all of it. But I just sense it had something to do with a family inheritance, a will. Confess your fault. And when you stand praying, forgive, lest you have aught against any, that your heavenly Father may also forgive you. And he will forgive you and cleanse you by the precious blood. And you walk on in love. You walk on in the divine kind of love that's not shed abroad in your head, but shed abroad in your heart. And from your heart, 
the Lord will lead you and you will sense to write in a card, a card, forgive me. I asked God to forgive me and he did and I'm asking you to forgive me and he will. And that thing will be unleashed, unloosed, loosened. And it's a, it's almost like you took the emergency brake off the car. You know, you keep pes- pressing the accelerator and nothing's going on. You keep pressing your faith. You keep confessing to your mountain, but it seems like it's not moving. But remember, faith worketh by love. And when you walk in love and forgive them, And it's the emergency break will be unleashed and you'll find that even your healing will come forth speedily. (laughs) Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, if that's you, you just receive it, honey. And rejoice and be glad and walk in the light of it. Oh, my. Yes, there's someone here and God called you as a little girl. He called you in a like a Baptist youth camp. And there was an altar call and you came down and you sang, I surrender all. And you sensed in your spirit the call to go to a certain country. And and you let your head get in the way. And say, well, I just can't imagine not living. I just can't imagine what kind of lifestyle that would be. It's so different than what I'm used to. But the Lord says, I am the great shepherd. My burden is light. My yoke is easy. I've called you. I will equip you. It's not your own grace, but my grace that I will give to you. And you'll find a light, a a, a spring in your step and a lightness of your heart when you just say, Lord, okay, I let go of my own way and my own plan. And I remember that day when I took hold of your hand and said, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll let go and I'll let you have my, my life. The rest of the time here on the planet Earth, the rest of the time in the flesh, you take over. Take over. Oh, oh, I see I see a son, a prodigal son. Someone you're believing God for. This may be more than one. But as your own obedience comes in line with God, then your faith will be more effective toward that one you're believing for. Stop preaching to him. Stop preaching to him. He won't listen to you. If he would, he would have done it a long time ago. But you ask me, and I will send a labor across his path. Anointed, whose feet are anointed. Shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the gospel of shalom, to bring them into the family of God in restoration. So rejoice and be glad. Hallelujah. Praise God. Ithor sama liko bashana nititika nanatita 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 
Toning of Tonys, Tony Makatsu Meito, Komenti Kijito. Oh, Father, oh my, I heard this in my spirit. I heard, ah, woo, stop trying to fix everything. It's wearing you out. You pray and watch over in the spirit. You watch by my Holy Spirit over them in the Holy Ghost. There is a place of watching over the saints in the spirit. You do it in the flesh, it wears you out. So just lay that at the feet of the master, Jesus. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. That's easy to do. If you're believing God for employment, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you foul spirit of poverty, you release your clutches off of that family in Jesus' name. And you tell that demon to go off of your family. And Lord God, Creator, Mr. Creator, we don't forget that you are the Creator. We ask, sir, for ideas and concepts for even if you have to create a position for that person and or, or that family, that you will do it. That you are the God who's more than enough and that you create position and place. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. If that's you, just begin to praise him and thank you that he is, he can create. He's Mr. Creator. Yes, Lord, you are Mr. Creator. In the name above every name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I don't know why, but I'm just reminded of a time where I would call out by the Holy Ghost feet, if there's something wrong with your feet, uh, the Lord, the Jesus is healing that portion, that place in your foot, in your ankle, in your foot. In the name of Jesus, receive, receive. I've gotten testimonies where a person even had a plate in their foot and it was gone. They, it disappeared. They, they were dancing around. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. He cares for our feet. Cares for our feet. I love to read that scripture where he washed the feet. It became so alive to me when Kylie, our daughter, who's now in ministry for 10 years strong and a blessing to many but there was a time for three years we didn't know where she was dead or alive Christmas would come no Kylie no call no letter nothing where is she we don't know my husband Christmas morning I caught him crying never seen him crying 30 years crying he got up early I saw him by the tree he turned around he looked at me big tears running down that face he said where did we go wrong where did we miss it Shelly I said honey we didn't miss it if God can't attack us, he'll try to attack us through our children. He came after Kylie, and she's at the age now where she's over 18, and she's accountable for decisions she makes. We surround her with faith. We surround her with love, but it's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
So after three years, when she called us and said, Mom, I'm coming home. We met at a prayer cabin. We have a prayer ministry. We have these log homes. And we just sensed the Lord said, meet her there. So we did. She's in the living room. She's still ranting and raving. These demons that were still bothering her. She's just given to rage. She's just going, going. Bob and I are in the kitchen going, well, she's back. Now what? And I was reminded by the Spirit of God where the Word says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. I said, Lord, all we are is one thought away. And you've got that thought. And instantly, I looked at Bob and he looked at me. And he said, we're to wash your feet. So by faith, we took a great big, we found a big bowl and put some nice warm water in it. And we walked it into the living room where she was. And she goes, by that time, she had worn herself out with throwing a fit so big. She was worn out. She was slumped in a chair. It's so sweet to obey the Lord Jesus. And without a word, just knelt down before her. And what an honor to wash her feet. I felt like my hands were the hands of Jesus. Washing the feet of a little lamb that got kind of dirty out in the world. And just Bob did too. And and the Holy Ghost did the rest. The Holy Spirit began to comfort her. The Holy Spirit began to strengthen her. The Holy Spirit began to sing. She has a beautiful voice. And she was set free. Hallelujah. I think that might bless one person today. Praise God. Change, changes, changes, changes. The Lord is changing us. Can you give me a C? That is a C. Oh, that's a beautiful C. It's a gorgeous sea. And if you know this song, you can sing with me. But I don't need the sea. I think I need a G. Now that's a G. Oh, thank you, Lord, for the G. From glory to glory, he's changing me. Can you sing that? From glory to glory, he's changing me. From glory to glory, he's changing me. Then you repeat that again. Changing me. Then you repeat that again. Changing me. Now here's different. His image and likeness. Can you sing that part? His image and likeness. Oh, that's so pretty. Can you sing that again? His image and likeness. To perfect in me. The love of God shown to the world. 
the love of God shown to the world. The love of God shown to the It shall flow like a river. The power gifts, special faith, working of miracles, gifts of healings, they will flow like a river. The river of his love. The river of his compassion will awaken the dunamis power of God. Lord, I don't know how to dismiss. I only know how to unhook. Let every heart Can you sing that? Let every church which is his body is preparing herself for his coming let's sing that two phrases again let every
wonderful time. Before I close, we do have winners of our tables and and I just, every one of you. Yes, Miss Shelley was our judge and um, y'all did such an amazing job preparing your tables. (laughs) She inspected the tables. Um, I need the two gifts. Our runner-up table, and all of your tables were beautiful, as she said. But our, it was between two tables, so our runner-up table, number seven. (laughs) Yes, give her a hand. Patty did an amazing job. She helped a lot of of us do our tables. There's a little bit of patty in several tables. <laughs> but the winner is number 21. <laughs> Sylvia! Yes. Aww. Thank you, Sylvia. I don't know about y'all, but I just sense his presence so strong. Ooh, I just want to weep. <laughs> Do you 
la masanda la bosho corra branda kala masa nindi bisha kala boso ende beshe kele beshe nende bere bere nondo bosho la basili bisha I just sense and know that every name of every person that you so faithfully pray before the throne room of God God is faithful to visit them to visit them in the night to visit them in their dreams in visions in unusual encounters with even angels the lord is faithful based on the covenant of the blood of his son to visit those whom you've wept for and your tears are not in vain and your prayers no no shelf life So rejoice and be glad. Take off the garment of heaviness. Yeah, that's right. And put on the garment of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.